What the Actual Fork podcast is co-hosted by two intuitive eating registered dietitians, yours truly, Sammy Previtt, owner of Fine Food Freedom, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. We can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Our mission is for all humans to believe that they are made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. We are also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although we are medical professionals, we are human too. We are not afraid to share our deepest, darkest secrets and how years of our lives were taken by diet culture. We started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So get comfy and join us for a casual convo where you can expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. Welcome back to another episode of What the Actual Fork Podcast. I hope your first week of 2021 has been everything that you've hoped and dreamed it to be. Um, But we're super excited for today's episode with Rachel Hartley. She's a registered dietitian. She is Um, absolutely a non-diet, health at every size, intuitive eating RD, and just happened to write an amazing book that will be out very shortly, um, all about gentle nutrition, which what a better time to talk about that. Because if you are getting inundated with be healthy this year, or what diet are you doing this year? um, This is going to be a great place to start. And First, my first question is, is, are you loving the new name? I'm still getting used to it. It's getting so exciting. We want to hear your feedback, share with us. Um, it just feels so much more us. I'm, I'm obsessed, but two, we also share how you can pre-order this book from Rachel. We share so many tips and why we both think it's so important that all of our clients and just people interested in the intuitive eating space and learning more why this book is going to be so important. Um, so you can pre-order order it now. Sam and I already did that. We're super excited to support Rachel and just excited for you to hear more about what gentle nutrition really means. Yes. And I feel like the, I, we talked about so, so, so many things, but I feel like the biggest thing that's sticking in my brain since our conversation is like redefining the word health or healthy yes. and what that really truly means. Um, which was just So, so, so cool to see. So this is going to be a great resource for so many people. And, um, if you're, if you enjoyed this episode, if you enjoy our previous episodes, please, please, please. If you could rate review, send it to a friend, we would so greatly appreciate that. Make sure you follow along. Yes. So let's (laughs) jump right in and take it away with Rachel Hartley. Welcome back to another episode. Today we're super, super excited because we have one of our favorite non-diet dietitians, also an intuitive eating dietitian. We have Miss Rachel Hartley here. Rachel, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here today. This is we have a, so much excitement yes. to talk about. <laughs> yes. Um, so much excitement. And I, I know I just hit record, but I just shared like a deep dark secret of my obsession with St. Bernard's <laughs> off air. And Rachel just happens to have a St. Bernard dog. So I'm super excited about that. But we're definitely gonna want to get to know you before we jump in. But for people listening, we're so excited because we've definitely talked about gentle nutrition in our episodes, but we've never had like one full episode dedicated to gentle nutrition. So we're so excited to just like 
hand that over to you and let you run with it. So I'm going to let Jenna do a, a little game with you first, and then we'll, we'll jump right in. Jenna only has three out of the six that she needs so far. So these are going to be really off the cuff. So we're going to start with coffee or tea. <laughs> oh, coffee, which I am drinking right now. So absolutely. <laughs> so, that just broke this morning. So this is like sad instant coffees. <laughs> you know what? You got to try the whipped TikTok coffee with that. Because that when that when quarantine started and that was like the biggest trend, I think I made it every day before I found out I was pregnant. And it's like the most caffeine, but delicious use of instant coffee. Yeah, I was late. <laughs> And so I missed all the early, uh, early, you know, TikTok quarantine food trends. I'll send you some inspo when we're done. Cool. Um, all right. So now we're on to a theme here. Crunchy or soft baked cookies? Oh, I'm definitely soft. Um, yes. Yeah. Right. But I feel like Tate's sometimes like steer me a little bit. Like they are pretty good, but okay, I feel you there. Crunchy or soft taco? Oh, soft taco too. Yeah. Smooth or crunchy peanut butter? smooth can I do any more crunchies here I don't know if I have any others I I, I have some are no. you a salty or sweet girl salty and cheese like I know that was <laughs> I always like to ask and especially because you are a chef here so what about soft boiled or hard boiled egg do you have a preference oh yeah soft boiled. like I love like a poached egg is same is, Yes, amazing. <laughs> um, and I'm really bad at doing it, but I like it when someone does it for me. <laughs> They're really hard to do. Um, all right, so one more. And when we, hmm, let's go with it. Pumpkin spice or peppermint mocha? Oh, peppermint mocha, yeah. So oh, hot chocolate season. <laughs> I was like nervous about these questions. I'm like, oh, I'm not gonna know the answer. And they were all so easy. <laughs> I have gotten myself into a big hole this morning on this vein of, have you seen the hot cocoa bombs that people are now posting about? Tell me you've made one and teach me. Oh my gosh, I have not. Like, what? I don't, I don't spend that much time. Like, <laughs> and even that is just like. But you can't order them. They're all on back order, of course. So what after is this, this you bomb both, you're speaking you, of. It's literally like this chocolate coating with marshmallows and cocoa in it. And you put it in warm milk and it explodes. And it turns into like hot chocolate and you know I'm obsessed so anyways last question if you could have anything in this world in limitless quantities that can't be money what would it be I mean can we go back to the cheese I missed that yes <laughs> I'm no puppies, actually. I'm no, like, no, I take that back because I, I want to be able to give my attention to very specific to like two very special dogs so um yes so maybe not that cheese <laughs> perfect answer you played perfectly <laughs> yeah you were very firm in all of those answers and that was awesome because sometimes you're like eh, I don't know but you knew exactly what you like I'm very indecisive I'm pretty impressed with myself not gonna lie <laughs> amazing amazing well let's jump right into today's topic so we're talking all things gentle nutrition, but before we even get into it, I would love for you to tell, tell listeners, I know you have a book coming out, I believe February 23rd, the last yeah, time yeah. I heard. <laughs> so congratulations. And just tell us what is this book about? 
Yeah. So yes, February 23rd, my book, um, Gentle Nutrition is coming out. And basically I wanted to create a resource that um, really dove into the nutrition the nutrition aspect of um, intuitive eating. You know, there's always been um, in different like uh, Facebook groups for dietitians and then with conversations with clients, like I feel like there's always a lot of questions about gentle nutrition. And as intuitive eating um, dietitians, I, I think that sometimes we, you know, I, I, we don't talk, focus on that principle for a very good reason. You know, when you're on social media, um, you were talking to a, a whole array of people at, and many of which are actively struggling with eating disorders and disordered eating. Um, you don't know what, uh, you know, how someone is going to latch onto the information that you share and whether it's going to, to, get, uh, to get turned into a diet rule. And also too, just the fact that like, in order to engage with gentle nutrition, we really have to do some work healing our relationship with food. So there's very, very good reasons why nutrition is um, sort of deprioritized, I guess you could say, within, um, you know, conversations about intuitive eating. And yet, um, one of the things that I find that that does is that it creates this, um, this space where, where gentle nutrition is a bit of a mystery. And when people don't really have a conceptualization of like what nutrition looks like in a flexible way, and there's a lot more room for, for diet culture to sneak in. So I, I really wanted to create a resource that, um, you know, that, that talked about, you know, explored, um, explored net gentle nutrition, gave really solid like evidence-based um, nutrition advice, but presented it in a way that's flexible and not rigid. Um, and I just wanted to help people like just, you know, create like kind of an on-ramp to intuitive eating. Like a lot of people, because so many, um, so many people learn about intuitive eating through um, Instagram, through social media. Um, I, I wanted to, you know, and they get this impression that like, oh, it's anti-nutrition. Obviously that is not what intuitive eating is, but that is a conception or, or a misconception, I should say, that's out there. So I wanted to create a resource that would help address some of those, um, some of those, those concerns people have. That was so beautifully said. And honestly, can you just for some of our listeners, because sometimes I see in the comment section um, that not all of our listeners are on an intuitive eating journey yet. Um, but for those that maybe are not as familiar with it, can you share where gentle nutrition falls in the principles? Yeah, so in the um, intuitive eating um, books, um, you know, they are, they're, they're based off of 10 principles and gentle, well, technically honor your health with gentle nutrition. That is the, the last principle. And um, the idea of, of putting it back there is that, you know, kind of getting back to what I was saying before, um, in order to engage with gentle nutrition, we have to do some, some solid work um, healing our relationship with food first. You know, if we try to jump straight into nutrition, it's so easy to turn, um, you know, flexible, uh, uh, you know, what might be like practical nutrition advice. It's so easy to turn that into a food rule excuse me, it, it's, it's easy for that to get wrapped up in diet culture. So when we have a good basis of, of, um, you know, of, 
of intuitive eating and the other principles, it, it makes it a bit easier for us to bring um, gentle nutrition in. Um, and, but of course, I think what most intuitive eating dietitians recognize is that when you're actually working with human beings in front of you who are at all different places and have all different sorts of, of wishes and hopes and desires and goals, that, you know, it's not as if intuitive eating is this thing that we go through in a stepwise pattern. It's not like, hey, here's your first session. We're going to reject the diet mentality today. And next week we're, you know, honoring our hunger. Like it's not this step-by-step -step process. And sometimes like understanding and, and bringing gentle nutrition in um, really early on, that can actually help people in their food peace journey. And not only that, and, and this is kind of a, a, another piece of what this book seeks to do, but when we understand um, the, what gentle nutrition actually is, it can actually be a really helpful tool in um, making peace with food. Like when we look, when we understand and, and unlearn all this like diet culture BS about nutrition that we've picked up, like it is so, it, it can be one, um, one tool or one way that, that we can um, uh, progress on our journey. So, yeah. I love that. And you touched on this a little bit earlier, but I would love to hear how you would respond if someone comes up to you and says, oh, you're an intuitive eating dietitian. Oh, okay. So you just tell people to eat whatever the hell they want and you don't care about health. How would you respond to that, Rachel? Oh my gosh. Well, I would like probably roll my eyes because this person sounds like they're trolling. Um, but, but, um, in reality, I would, I would definitely like keep that eye roll, um, a bit to myself internalized. Um, yeah, you know, I think it's important to validate and explain to people like why they might have that conception of, of what intuitive eating is like where that comes from. Um, you know, again, there is, it, it is, there is a very, very good reason why um, nutrition gets deprioritized in our communications about um, intuitive eating. Like there, there's, there's reason for that. And um, there, you know, how many, like, I don't know, like, I don't know, just kind of like the, the, well, I should say on top of that, like, you know, a lot of the messages that get um, the intuitive eating messages that get Part of it's like social media, you know, a lot of what gets um, uh, engagement and gets feedback are these sort of like, yay, donut, um, ice cream kind of things that for better or worse, that that is part of what just kind of gets engagement. And that also like kind of feeds into the the, the conversation. But, um, but yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, how I usually explain it to people is that you know, I really see my clients as being the ones who get to decide um, whether they want to engage with nutrition and, and how much headspace they want um, and energy they want nutrition to take up in their life. And there is no moral, like, um, it is not morally better to, um, you know, to, to want um, to spend more energy on nutrition versus less energy. Like that is a very much a, a personal decision to make. And so my role as, as a dietitian is, is not to, um, you know, just be like, forget it. Like everything you learned about nutrition is false and, and um, you know, don't ever think about it at all. It's really to understand my clients and, and help them help them better see like 
how, what is the role that nutrition can play in helping you live the, the type of life that like your a life that aligns with your values and, and live just a, a happy life that makes you feel good. So, yeah, so it's really all about individualizing nutrition. And um, that is, I think that is probably what I would explain to this, this imaginary person with their very, um, their concerns. <laughs> So that was amazing. And you kind of touched on something that I wanted to bring up. My dog's on high alert right now. I hear him. So hopefully he doesn't bark. Um, But you kind of brought up the topic of clickbait, right? Like I think that social media and the things that get engagement, this is a conversation that I have oftentimes with people in my DMs, um, you know, using certain words or images or triggering type messaging is what gets the most engagement on social media, which can be such a downfall sometimes. Um, But one of the things that I've personally had quite a few conversations with people about is the word healthy and using the word healthy to define a recipe or type of food or eating. And, you know, just, I'm curious your take on defining the words or phrase healthy eating specifically when, you know, it's part of a cookbook or recipe development or so on and so forth. And I think what Sam and I have always said is it's always the intentions behind it, right? But explaining to someone that really just wants to fight, let's say, because that's who comes in my DMs, it seems like, um, you know, how would you define healthy eating, quote unquote? Yeah, no, I think that's such a, a good, uh, such a good point. Um, so when I when I talk about health and, and this, there's actually a chapter in, in the book on this, um, you know, I think it is worth us trying to redefine the word healthy because never using the word um, healthy ever again, like it's part of our, our language. It is it's just part of how in order to make intuitive eating accessible to people, we have to not stay in a bubble of always using like the the sort of like perfect intuitive eating language. Like we have to communicate things in a way that that um, people who are are not um, who are new to intuitive eating, we have to communicate in a way that they understand, while also leaving space for lots of nuance and and not sort of like you know, um, dumbing down or, 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 um, you know, not making our message like only applicable to a certain, uh, like a certain sort of person. So I, I think it's really important that we, we redefine this word healthy and, and, um, help people conceptualize it in a different way. Um, so in this, this chapter that I have about redefining health, it talks a bit about how health is so much, it, basically like the thesis of it is that health is about a lot more than um, nutrition. Nutrition is part of our health. It's a piece of it, but it is not the end all kind of be all of health. So I think it's really like if we're labeling a food as healthy, I I don't know how um, useful that is. It's something that I've done in the past. And I know there are certain people who were like SEO kind of purposes of like search engine, Google, you know, people finding their stuff. Like there may be um, reasons that they're using using the phrase or, or using the word healthy to label food. I, you know, it's 
it's one of those things I, I don't know how useful it is because a food in of itself cannot be healthy or unhealthy. Our, our choices might be a healthier choice or really a health promoting choice, but that doesn't necessarily make a food healthy or, or unhealthy because for a, a for a, a choice to be a, um, a, a healthy choice, like it has to bring in these other aspects of our health, which is, you know, things like, um, you know, social can, or, or when I say bring in, I mean, um, you know, be mindful of not necessarily, we have to, every single food choice we make has to have every single aspect of health, but, you know, it has to be mindful of like, you know, finances are part of, of health, like our financial condition, um, you know, our social connection is part of health, um, you know, our, um, uh, uh, oh my goodness, my Friday brain is not thinking of anything else, but, um, but no, we have all these other aspects of, of health that we sort of ignore when we make health um, all about nutrition. When we put um, nutrition up on this health pedestal, it's, it's turning food into something that it really just, it, it is, that it isn't. Mm -hmm. Anytime somebody asks me this from now on, I'm just going to send this episode to them. <laughs> 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 and perfectly said though, because fearing the word using, fearing using the word healthy isn't a good thing for us either. I think that was really well said. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. I'm, I'm glad that was helpful. But um, yes, and 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 I think it is worth being really conscious of the ways that we're using it. You know, it's 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 a tricky one. But um, yeah, that's what I, I I hope to do with this this book, and and especially with that chapter, which I was really excited about. <laughs> I love how you. I think where your Friday brain was going, where I'm going to continue to take it. I hope. Um, <laughs> is the social deter or excuse me, the determinants of health, right? Mm -hmm. And looking at also our physical environment, our medical care, our genetics and biology. And then you touched on the actual social connection. Accessibility. Um, and yeah, accessibility, individual behaviors, like all of that encompasses health. And I love that you use the words health promoting behaviors mm. and how that's different for everyone. Like for somebody who is restricting, right. And over exercising a health promoting behavior would be rest, but for yeah. somebody else, right. That might be listening to this, that they really struggle to get up and to move their body. So a health promoting behavior might be walking for 10 minutes. If that felt pleasant to them, like health promoting behaviors for those listening, it's not just like, here's a checklist of the 20 health promoting behaviors that you need to be doing. Um, so thank you for bringing that up because I think that's such an important piece of this conversation and I'm so excited to read that chapter in your book. Yeah, yeah, yes. No, what you said, like, it's all about kind of figuring, it's it's acknowledging like what's going on in, in the present moment and, and the nuance of these decisions. Like it really is impossible to say this is, this is healthy or this is a health promoting behavior because it just, what's, what's helpful for one person may not be helpful for another for a whole host of different reasons. So we, we've really, um, you know, got to have to bring nuance into this conversation about health. <laughs> I got to say that Entering the intuitive eating nutrition world has brought the most incredible conversations and humans into my life because 
prior to this, conversations were just so different with other health professionals. And it's just so incredible to know there's so many like-minded people out there. And it's such a gift that Sam and I can bring human beings like you onto this platform and share you with our community because more people need to hear this message. Well, I so appreciate it. I feel the exact same way. <laughs> Conversations with people in the intuitive eating space have opened my eyes to um, so many different areas of life. And, and yeah, so very agreed. <laughs> I also want to, I don't know why my brain is stuck on this, but earlier, so I'm just going to bring it up. So, and, and maybe it's because I, I recognize, I'm just going to say it. So you use the word flexibility and I love that word, but I've seen so many other health professionals Hmm. use that word to promote flexible dieting. So can Hmm. you maybe for listeners kind of explain what you meant by bringing flexibility into their health and their nutrition versus someone who might promote air quotes, flexible dieting? Right. Oh my goodness. I'm so glad you mentioned that. And that's actually not a connection that, um, that I made, um, for the number of times that I've used the word flexible, um, in the book and in my life. Um, yeah. So I'm thinking a little bit on the spot, but I, I think that the, I mean, the difference really is, is that with, with flexible, you know, air quote, flexible dieting, um, the intention is weight loss. You know, that is the goal there. Um, it is not necessarily where help, you know, we're promoting what it is looking at intentional weight loss as the, um, as the, the goal outcome. And, um, there, and my goodness, as, as I'm saying this, I'm thinking about all these incredibly rigid plans that I've seen that label themselves as flexible, like, <laughs> like, like there's a, you know, you could have five more grams of whatever one day versus like the next day. And it's uh, it, just the, the way that flexibility is, it's, oh my goodness, who are you? So yeah, I mean, really like the, the, the intention of flexible dieting is, is this um, goal of intentional weight loss. Um, when I use the word flexible, um, you know, I am not talking about, like, I'm not talking about weight loss being a, um, or intentional weight loss being a outcome that we are looking for. We're looking at, at what are things that, that we can do that, um, you know, um, habits or, or behaviors that help you feel better in the here and now. And um, really talking about flexibility, like not so much being flexible with a plan, but flexible with like life. You know, um, this morning I um, I had a really early morning, um, really early morning uh, uh, appointment with my um, accountant and had to like, you know, pull myself out of bed and had stayed up way too late, like wrapping presents the night before and felt really tired. And so the, you know, easiest thing for me was to swing by somewhere and pick up like a breakfast, like kind of biscuit sandwich. Like that was the easiest way to nourish my body. And so, but I'm being in that moment, I'm not being flexible with a plan or saying like, Hey, that was my cheap breakfast or my like, whatever it is just, you know, being, um, 
yes, I feel good when I, I eat like breakfast at home and, and make something that like whatever, but, um, that is just me being flexible and living my life and making choices that, um, yeah, again, Friday brain, but, um, yeah, just making choices that allow me to live my, my life and, and a way that feels good. <laughs> Thank you so much for clarifying that because I don't think we've ever talked about that on this podcast and the amount of dietitians that I, I'm really calling out dietitians today, but the amount of health professionals I see using that term and trying to, I wouldn't even call it front fence straddling because I would say that's just still firmly diet culture, but that they're trying to pretend like they're not restricting people, but using the word flexible. I love that you just totally like busted that myth open and, and called it out for what it was. So thank you. That was beautifully said. It really was. (laughs) There's been a lot of drama on social media this week. I don't know if either of you have seen it. I didn't talk to Sam about this beforehand, Um, but I actually, the, I don't even know his last name, Max Lugerve, whatever his name is posted something. I don't know if you, have you seen it, Rachel, your head's kind of like, yeah, maybe, but he posted this very controversial post about dietitians, like went after us head fo- head first. I blocked him after this. Cause I just couldn't read the comment section. Um, and it was all about how, um, there was some article on PubMed about dietitians being, um, in recovery. And that's why we went into nutrition and how, you know, now we're putting all of this anti-diet message, um, all foods fit message into clients' brains as a like protection source for ourselves. And it really angered me because I don't think people really understand this kind of conversation. And so I actually stopped reading the post because I was getting so heated from it. But, um, you know, I saw a lot of dietitians reposting it, like, tell me what the problem with helping people not fear food really is. And so I feel like your book really encompasses all of that and kind of takes away a lot of the confusion about what this space really is all about. Whereas if you do look on social media, it is, it can be confusing. I think Evelyn Tribbley said that in our podcast episode, like if you want to be confused about intuitive eating, look up the hashtag. (laughs) but you know, I think that just reading some pointers about bullet points on your book right now and really what it covers, I think it's a read that everybody really needs to understand about like what you said, redefining health and really understanding how multifaceted health really is. Right. Yeah. I just like, um, stood up taller in my seat because I didn't see where it originated from, but there was another kind of like Twitter conversation and I responded to it. I was like, so I guess the point uh, that this person is trying to make is that, um, as intuitive eating haze dietitians, like we are clouded by our own sort of history of disordered eating and, and bias from that. And yet we're not having a conversation about how, um, you know, this high prevalence of disordered eating and eating disorders among dietitians, like how that could be influencing our weight centric and, um, frankly, at times quite orthorexic curriculum. Like, how is it that, um, like, if we wanna talk about how dietitians have high rates of of disordered eating and are at risk for orthorexia, that is a really, really important conversation to have. But like, we also have to be honest about how that has influenced the way that mainstream nutrition talks about health and nutrition. Um, You know, you cannot just like, 
pit that up? Like, is it, is it true that, that, um, you know, I don't have a, a history of an eating disorder. Um, there are many of us who don't, but you know, there, is it accurate that um, many dietitians have a history of disordered eating and um, they have found intuitive eating and they have found health at every size and it's been incredibly healing for them. And could that, you know, influence their, their passion for it? Um, I absolutely. Um, there are also like, we've done the work, like I've been working with, with, clients for years and years and years and years using a non-diet approach. And I've listened to their stories and, and learned from them about the ways that this um, very rigid approach to um, nutrition and this, um, you know, the, the way that frankly, that the diet culture has influenced how we view nutrition. Like I've seen how that's harmed people and I've seen how that, um, you know, really has become a barrier for them actually doing things that improve their, their health and their quality of life. So yeah, that one, um, yes, I saw long story. Short, <laughs> it fired me up. I was complaining to my husband and like, you know, sent off a few fiery tweets and, um, few text messages with some friends to roll my eyes at certain <laughs> remain, remain nameless, but yes. <laughs> Well, I think, I think a lot of times too, with some of those, I don't know who this person was, but this kind of brings me back to when we did the episode with Jillian Michaels take mm. on it. And I think it comes down to back to the conversation we had about these people are just, it, they're misinformed. Like they don't even know what they're talking about. And then they're just putting those things out there. I know Syat Fitness did this. Jillian Michaels has done this. I'll call out anyone and happily have a conversation with them. But when they, guy's name, I got to find it. Keep when going. they, <laughs> when they hear all foods fit and unconditional permission to eat, they think we're promoting binge eat as much as possible. Eat all the fun play foods, like fuck nutrient dense foods. That's what they hear. Right. And I think that's where you're like, we need to send all these people your book <laughs> because right? I think, I think people People can't grasp when they're so rooted in diet culture, they can't grasp that there's actually humans that have peace with food and enjoy nutrient density at the same time. Like they're like, how could you have both? You guys just eat all the play foods. So once you have the true understanding that yes, you have unconditional permission to eat, but once you have that, you actually nourish your bodies in ways that feel physically, mentally, you know, emotionally pleasant. Like, I feel like, because like you said, Rachel, they haven't done the work. Mm -hmm. They can't even think that way. And then they're to these large audiences, putting out this false information, um, and these claims. So it looks like we're going to need to send your book straight to them yes. and money. Yeah. <laughs> All their businesses depend on people yeah. being obsessed with weight loss. And yeah. like, that's really the bottom line too. And that's hard to put in a tweet into the, the mass, the masses. Right. But I think that, you know, when you think about it, I actually put this in my post today because I was so, I posted hot chocolate on my Instagram story, like last week and the amount of people that were like, well, what kind is it? Like, how did you make it? What's healthy ingredients are in it? And I was like, it's Swiss miss. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> and so I posted that today. And in there, I was just kind of talking about, you know, if you choose the Swiss miss, but you have guilt and shame and anxiety and all of these emotions tied to choosing it because you feel like this is your cheat and so on and so forth, that's not healthy either. So that's really where this work becomes so important. But these people, these individuals do not want to have that conversation. Right, right, right. Like that kind of goes back to what we were talking about, about, um, you know, nuance with the word healthy. Like if you are making a choice that you think is right or the healthy choice and you are experiencing like intense, like, you know, anxiety or deprivation um, that goes along with it, like stress isn't great for health. So if you were eating in a way that makes you feel stressed out, like that isn't necessarily health promoting. I don't care how many, like how many blueberries or how much kale um, you, know, <laughs> you have per day. If you feel stressed about it, I don't know um, if that is really doing much for you. Um, yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But no, I'm so glad that um, that you said that because I was literally, <laughs> I was like, I wonder if I can curse, um, kind of getting to what. <laughs> have you met Sam? <laughs> have, you, have you seen my social media? <laughs> I mean, I figured, but I didn't want to be the first one, but um, kind of getting to what you were saying, like all I was thinking in my head is like, normalize shutting the fuck up until you learn about something like there like it is that's okay. the quote of the episode <laughs> it, is, it is okay to shut up about your beliefs about intuitive eating um until you actually like do the and, and health at every size until you actually like learn about what it is and it, then if you have any problems or concerns like these are not um, paradigms that are without criticism. Like there's been some really fantastic um, uh, critique of intuitive eating and haze from um, dietitians of color, people like, you know, Jessica Wilson. And, um, you know, like there are just like wonderful things that, that um, I have, you know, people that I have listened to and learned from, but they actually took time to like understand the paradigms before talking. Um, so Yes. Um, yes, that is, uh, yeah, that annoys me. <laughs> so I want to bring it back to your book as yes. we come to the, the final minutes of the pod. I know you have 50 plus recipes that incorporate um, gentle nutrition in here and centering pleasure and showing all foods fit. So I would love to hear like, what is your Where'd you get the inspiration for the recipes? Are these family recipes that have been passed down? Like where did these recipes come from? Yeah. So, um, you know, one thing that when I started, um, you know, blogging and on social media, it was a very just kind of like recipe focused food blog because I needed this like creative outlet. I was in a job that I was very much not happy and it was a, a fun place to get creative in the kitchen. And, um, and, you know, as I was working on this book, um, you know, I, I continue to, you know, share recipes occasionally and do recipe development. And um, that is just a, a fun, enjoyable thing for me. But one thing I've, I've found in my work with clients is that um, for many people, when they actually like, there's the principles of intuitive eating and, and this sort of like intuitive eating knowledge, but oftentimes like, like we can use food as a way to, to demonstrate, um, you know, to put these, these intuitive eating principles in action. I don't think it should be the primary way because there's a lot of <laughs> issues that, 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 you know, challenges that come up with that. But um, yeah, I really, you know, I wanted to show people like, 
here's a way that you can, um, you know, add, you know, cook vegetables in a way that centers on pleasure and not like trying to reduce calories. Like here's a place where like, you know, let's use some, here's the, the, the baking function of using sugar and butter versus using something else. Like I wanted to really approach food from the, and nutrition from this culinary standpoint. So, um, so the, the inspiration behind them, um, yeah, not, not like family recipes per se, but like just things that I really tried to, I really tried to think about, like, um, you know, think about those goals when I was doing recipe development and also to think about, like, just things that are, are simple, that are nourishing, that are adaptable, just really helping people get inspiration for, um, for feeding themselves with satisfying, pleasurable, enjoyable um, meals. So, yeah, so that was kind of the, the inspiration there. <laughs> I love that. And Sam, I thought you were going to ask my exact question. I got so excited. Um, but my question was going to be, my last question was, what's your favorite recipe in the book? Oh, oh that's a good one. Um, mm. So, da, da, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm so excited for it now. <laughs> I, yeah, I finished up the, the recipe for, I have to go look through um, some of the pictures because they were finishing up with like the edits and putting everything together. Um, so exciting. So the ones I like the most, why am I, oh, I know there was, I was really proud of this one because I'm, um, yeah, it, it just, it came out really well. This, um, like harissa rubbed um uh chicken thighs and they're over sort of like um over like rice it's like this one pot meal that's like really really tasty and has like lovely spices and it's like yummy skin on chicken thighs so it gets nice and like crispy and golden and um yeah i was very excited about how that one came out it was um one that like the first try came out of the oven i was like yeah <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm so excited. <laughs> and congratulations. That's amazing, by the way. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I'm just excited for the book baby to be out there. Yeah. So tell everybody who's listening, one, where they can find you, and then two, where they can find this book on February 23rd, 2021. Yeah, so you can find me either on my blog, which is rachelhartleynutrition.com, and Rachel is spelled A-E-L. Um, you can also find me on Instagram, where I'm active and like to share lots of stories of my dog, um, <laughs> Charlie the St. Bernard, um, and that is at rachelhartleyrd. Um, and yeah, and you can order the book now. You can go ahead and pre-order it on either Amazon or I encourage you to order from Bookshop, which um, supports independent bookstores. Mm -hmm. um, you can go ahead and get the order in. I would greatly, greatly appreciate it if you are thinking about ordering, um, doing a pre-order. Um, apparently that makes a big difference for book sales and launching and, and can kind of make or break a, a book release. So if you think you're gonna wanna read it, go ahead and, and order. <laughs> Well, I will definitely be adding this to my Amazon like recommended books for our clients. And you will absolutely be getting a lot, lots of recommendations from us too, right here. And we'll make sure we get the episode out soon so people have time. <laughs> I really appreciate that. 
Guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of What the Actual Fork Pod. We know there are a lot of pods out there, and we are so grateful that you are here listening with us. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe, like, share with all your friends and faves, and follow along with us on social at what the actual fork pod we promise to continue to bring you the hottest topics greatest guests and the most fun you can possibly have while fighting diet culture bullshit we love you we appreciate you and we will see you next week for a lot more fun